What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's Monday, week 13, wrapping up tonight with the Jaguars and the Bengals. Fantasy postseason is coming up. This is a big episode of Beyond the Box Score, baby. Here we go. It is December 4th. We're into December. We only have a few episodes of Beyond the Box Score left. Advanced stats from simple people. I'm Adam Azer here with Jacob Gibbs and Mr. I Am Always Sick, Dan Schneier. (laughs) Of course, under the weather, as usual, Hello, Dan. Are you okay? First time, long time, as far as that goes. But no, I'm not okay. I think I had a collective 30 minutes of sleep last night if I was lucky. Why? Couldn't sleep, couldn't get comfortable. Throat, nose, everything. Just couldn't get comfortable at all. So, yeah, that's my life right now. Um, And I'm trying to go through it. But now I know how it feels to be Adam Azer. He's really milking it, though. No, you don't know, though, because I tough it out. I'm really milking it. He is milking it. I'm toughing it out, too. I'm right here. I watched the tape this morning. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. You, on the other hand, have, you know, complained about being sick a multitude of times. You (laughs) sound sick. At least I don't sound that sick. You know, I, I I had the decency to, you know clear up the sinuses before going on the show yeah so i tried you're milking it all right today on the show uh can you trust any wide receivers on the commanders panthers cardinals titans browns patriots giants or jets in the fantasy playoffs who should you be stashing for the fantasy playoffs we'll talk about some dsts uh is this the year of zero rb and what do we make of Austin Eckler? Obviously, we'll recap last night's game where I thought if anyone would come in and be like, oh, I don't feel well, I'm sad. I thought it'd be Jacob because obviously yeah. the Chiefs got jobs on a couple of missed pass interference calls at the end there. Um, but uh, yeah, let's start with that. Green Bay 27, Kansas City 19. And Jacob, give me your fantasy takeaways. Yeah, I'm not feeling too bummed about it. I mean, it probably we lost our chances of the Chiefs getting a a buy, but I mean, I feel like honestly, Kansas City has gotten away with some calls here and there over the years. Um, and I think this Packers team is too fun to be like, oh man, I'm sad about this as a Chiefs fan. Like, this is really cool what we're seeing with Jordan Love. Some of these throws are just incredible. Um, from a fantasy side of things, nine targets for She Rice, only nine air yards. Um, okay. So, really, everything is coming around the line of scrimmage. His Route participation didn't change that much, 69%. So kind of the same thing, but we are seeing him just continue to become a more and more prominent piece of this offense. They had Kadarius Tony back in this game. So the week before, they had him and Michael Hardman both out, and they ran a lot more schemed-up stuff for Rice, and I thought maybe that would shrink a little bit with Tony back, but still led the team in target, so that's great. Um, and then, yeah, Love played really well. He got blitzed 45% of the time. That's three straight games. He's been blitzed at least 40% of the time. And he's been playing extremely well during that time. Completed 12 of 17 passes 
for 100 yards and three touchdowns against the Blitz um, against the Chiefs last night. So really exciting stuff for him. Um, hopefully Christian Watson's hamstring injury isn't serious because he looked fantastic last night. He looked like the guy that everybody got so excited for this offseason. Um, I don't know. Do I have any other takeaways than that? I mean, look, I, I beat Dan because of Christian Watson, and it was really one of the uh-huh. best fantasy wins ever. And I can rub it in, and I can talk smack about it because Dan was didn't even matter for Dan. He was three and nine. I was six. And I wanted six. to play spoiler. Yeah, who were you? Like, you should have been rooting for me. You should have been rooting for me. You know how much that game meant to me. You didn't need it at all. I needed it in a big way. And I was so mad because he had Nico Collins and he had Debo Samuel and he yep. had Ezekiel Elliott. He stole like 12, <laughs> 12 points. And I was going to lose this three and nine bum. And then uh, <laughs> Purdy goes off. Christian Watson wins it for me. I was so excited. I don't normally get that way, but this was amazing. So, Dan, thank you for letting me win. And you know what? You, you and I, we're going to have maybe like third or fourth at worst, most points. We had a, sl- a slug best. Yes, exactly. We both went off, both of our teams. I wanted to play spoiler, but it's okay. I'm happy to have been in that spot. And you know what? I root for Adam if it's not me in these types of leagues. So we got that going for us. I have a couple takeaways about this game, though, or one major one, and it's Jordan Love. Because, you know, what I wanted to see when we – so we evaluated Love last week on Beyond the Box score. I would say go back and listen to that for a breakdown of what's really improved and what's changed on tape. And we came away really impressed, or I came away really impressed. I feel like his confidence level – is skyrocketed from what I saw earlier in the season. I talked about how his rapport and trust with Christian Watson built. I really hope that hamstring injury or whatever happened with Watson on that last play isn't major because that would suck. And I think it would cause somewhat of a regression for love, but I don't know if it's going to cause too much of a regression for love because this was the big one for me. This chief's defense has been really phenomenal this year. Mm -hmm. This is East Bagnolo's best season, in my opinion, coordinating a team. I felt like this was a really tough matchup, really cold, cold weather is not good for quarterbacks at all for throwing the football. And yet what happened? Jordan love was more of the same, if not better over the last five weeks, Jordan Love is second in the NFL in touchdown passes, third in passing yards, fourth in passer rating, his yards per attempt, which is important to me, fourth in the NFL, his completion rate, 10th, his EPA per play is third best in the NFL. And we're talking about a quarterback right now who is one of the best quarterbacks over in fantasy over the last five weeks. And now he's done it against a really good defense. He had a 90.6 PFF grade last night with four big time throws, best of the season. That's really the difference for me. It's those 20 plus yard plays that seem to be coming at a really high rate now relative to the rest of the league. And I think a lot of it has to do with how fast he's moving through his progressions, his confidence, his processing power, like his mental processing in this offense is starting to really click. And obviously, you know, if you've heard any of what LaFleur has said, they're clicking too as play caller to quarterback, which is really important, in my opinion, this time of year. He gets the Giants this week, a great matchup. And I think at this point, we can start to turn the page and consider if Jordan Love is matchup proof. Right. That was the thing. You know, we talked about it last week. He hadn't done it against the tough defense all year. He had a 20-point game against Pittsburgh, but... Really, he'd just been beating up on these easy opponents. We could see that he was clearly playing better. Uh, so on one hand, yeah, he becomes a must-start automatic guy because he goes out and he beats the Chiefs. And he and he really plays great against them. How about that deep ball he threw to Dobbs? Backpedaling. Wild. Is that beautiful yeah. throw or what? Um, but I do think that losing Christian Watson, and hopefully it's not that bad. It is a hamstring injury. Watson was you know on the field after the game, high-fiving and all that. But... He's had so many hamstring injuries, or you know, he's had these types of hamstring injuries in the past. So, would be a little. I'd be a little surprised if he didn't miss some time. Yeah, uh, Giants. He could probably overcome that. I don't know Jordan Love. I'm talking about. I do think that's a big deal losing Watson. And I know he had good games early in the season without Watson, but he did it with a crazy high touchdown rate. He wasn't playing as well. Uh, but now he's in a groove and he just looks great. But Watson is definitely gives them a different element. Nobody on the team can do what he does. Uh, for Jordan Love, it's been the deep balls, too. I mean, that's just been such a difference for him over the last month. He's completing them at, at such a much higher rate. Just he's been outstanding. So, all right, I think we're all on the same page. I want to say something about A.J. Dillon. How about this? A.J. Dillon has scored 9.1 to 11.5 PPR fantasy points in six of his last seven games without a touchdown in any of those games. He can't score. He got tackled he at the one. last night, but, but yeah. He's still giving you about 10 to 11 points a game almost every week in PPR, and he's not doing that with a ton of catches. He's just having right. nice, solid games, good workload, and he can't score. Imagine if he scores. you got a 16-point game there or better. 
so as long as Aaron Jones is out, I think we might have to reconsider a little bit on AJ. I mean, this week I think Dylan's a must start at the Giants, even with only two teams on by. And he's got he's got some tough matchups, some easy matchups, like too tough, too easy coming up. But he's just involved enough that he gives you a nice floor. If he could just find the end zone, that would be nice. Uh, as far as the other receivers, if Christian Watson is out, yeah, I guess it's a boost. It's a boost for everyone. Uh, maybe more for Dobbs, maybe, than Reed. I think Reed's a little overrated, personally. If he didn't have that rushing touchdown a few weeks ago. Take it back. I think he's, I'm sorry, for fantasy, like, really struggles to get 50 yards most weeks. Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of a guessing game with these Packers receivers. Uh, but, all right, we're, uh, we're excited about them. Pacheco's obviously a stud. And then, you know... Patrick Mahomes is one of the biggest busts in fantasy. Yes. He's the number eight quarterback per game in four point yeah. and six point. It's getting a little ridiculous here, Dan. In the last five weeks, he's averaging 14 fantasy points a game. Yeah. Buffalo at I'm home. I'm curious to get your take as I pull the line from, from Jacob Gibbs, though I don't have any impressions <laughs> planned for today or prepared for today. The Adam Azer impression will come at some point, most likely on a mailbag show. But I'm curious to get your take, Jacob, on What's going on with Patrick Mahomes? You've obviously watched a lot more Chiefs in depth than I have. Is it because I'll, I'll tell you this about Patrick Mahomes, which I think is interesting. I feel like just from the eye test, something is going on with him from an injury standpoint that's unreported. Not you don't see it on the weekly injury report. No one's talking about it. We'll hear about it in the offseason on from some interview or something. So I just don't feel like the arm looks the same to me as it's always hmm. looked, especially on the vertical plane. I'm curious to get your take if that's the problem or if it's really just these receivers. That's interesting. I think he hasn't quite looked the same this year, um, but I mostly have attributed to the offensive line has been a problem. He's not trusting the reads. His first read rate is much lower than normal. He's holding the ball longer than normal. Um, To me, it's kind of like what's going on with Geno Smith. Looks uncomfortable um, within the framework that he's got to work with. Um, But yeah, that wouldn't shock me either. I don't think he's looked super healthy, especially at earlier times this year when he's been taking more hits. You know, here's some stats that I have a hard time wrapping my head around how this is possible. Last year, Kansas City led the NFL in big plays. Big play being a 20-plus right. yard play. They led the NFL in big in big completions. Um, they had 10 more 20-plus yard completions than number two Philadelphia. So they did that without Tyreek Hill without right. a great downfield passing game, with Mahomes having a, a low A dot or air yards per pass attempt. They did all that. Um, with And they were number one in big pass plays. This year, like, everything's worse. His A dot's lower. His yards, uh, yards after the catch are lower, but they're not low. And they're 18th in, in big plays, something like that. Um, they're, uh, yeah, they're 18th in completions of 20 or more yards. So it's it's weird. I can't quite figure out statistically what's missing. The completion rate isn't lower. It's like the yet the la- yak is a little lower. The air yards per pass attempt are a little lower. The big plays are much lower. I mean, yeah. They're bad at this now. They're below average at creating big plays. One one factor that I've considered because uh, it's another player to me who just doesn't look the same on tape, and I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's the fact that he's playing through a, this one's obvious an injury that you know we even saw him miss a little bit of time with earlier this year. That's Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey to me does not look at all like the player I saw on tape last year. I don't know if you agree with that or disagree with that, Jacob. He's but really th- he's really banged up. Chiefs he's really banged. Chiefs up. people are like really worried he's going to retire after this year. I wouldn't be surprised after playing through this injury and not looking the same whatsoever. But if Travis Kelsey isn't at his 100% and is even maybe at like 60 or 70%, which I think is possible based on what I've seen, it just changes so much schematically because Travis Kelsey's ability to occupy that middle of the field opens up so much other areas of the of the of the you know field. You always say like the best quarterbacks in the NFL, the best pass offenses are the ones that force defenses to cover every blade of grass outside the numbers down the field. And it's like if Travis Kelsey, when he was occupying that middle of the field as well as he was earlier in his career and until this year, I really feel like then you have so many other opportunities to throw into space, open space. But without that, it's like, and if they're not, the defense is not occup- uh, sending as many defenders to worry about Travis Kelsey, what is left on this roster to worry about? And that's when you could start to really, in my opinion, scheme to stop Mahomes more than stopping like the space and the open receivers. And I think that's a big part of the issue as well, just Kelsey not being healthy. Yeah, I'll give you just two more things. Someone asked, um, 
I'd like to know Captain Spock. I'd like to know Mahomes' average time of release this year versus last year. Well, this is yeah. the show to ask that question. He's actually averaging a career high by far time to throw, mm-hmm. 3.1 seconds. He's never been higher than 2.93. He's at 3.09 this year. So that's just a little factoid for you. But one thing about... Which, by the way... Yeah. Which, by the way, I feel like is like a... I don't want to call it overrated stat, but just like a misinterpreted and misunderstood stat. Like I think a lot of people will look at time of release and be like, this quarterback has a great offensive line. This quarterback has a bad offensive line. When in reality, that's on the quarterback too. And you know, you want the quarterback to be processing and getting rid of the football fast. And in a lot of ways, in a lot of times, which is one reason why I always say the best offensive line is a quarterback in a lot of ways, the best quarterbacks make the best offensive lines because they're decisive with the football and they get rid of it and they go through their progressions really well. So I think part of that is what you said with Mahomes holding the ball a little longer. Or Jacob said, I'm sorry, with the first read stuff. Okay. uh, Also, I think this is related to Isaiah Pacheco. You might be surprised that at this point in the season, Isaiah Pacheco has six rushing touchdowns. Five of them are one-yard rushing touchdowns. So Mahomes, that's variance. Yeah, Mahomes is losing that. You don't usually see that from the Chiefs. I'm gonna tell you sure. uh, where they've ranked in the previous four seasons. They've been 14th, 32nd, fourth, and 21st in running back touchdowns from one to two yards out. Uh, so this year they're they're tied for th- they're third, I think, one behind the three teams that are tied for first. So that's just weird. You know, usually you get those pop passes. Right. And those cheap Mahomes touchdowns. And this year, they're kind of becoming Pacheco touchdowns. All right, I think we've talked 15 minutes on this game. That should suffice. Let's talk for 45 minutes about Sportsline here. If you like Beyond the Box Score, you can check out Jacob's Beyond the Box Score column on Sportsline. More great content from Jacob. DFS lineups from our crew. Gambling advice all over the place on Sportsline. You've got content from Dave, Jamie, and Heath on Sportsline. It's really an incredible bargain for $9.99 a month. Or get the annual subscription to Sportsline, and save 60%. What? 60%? We're giving it away. Use the code FOLLOW when you sign up. 60% off at Sportsline.com sportsline.com slash join. And the promo code is FOLLOW. You're welcome. We'll do news and notes and advanced stats when we take us, after we take this quick break. Uh, I feel like that was a uh, an SNL Jimmy Fallon character or something. He's like, You're welcome. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Nah, uh, that's definitely before both of our times. No, it wasn't. It was like ten years ago. I know. Okay. I just like making you try to feel. Probably I'm just trying to make you feel old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that while we go to break. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, it was it was Nick Burns, your company's computer guy. He'd be such a jerk. You know, your computer guy is so much smarter than you, and he helps you out, and you're like embarrassed by the dumb. Like I said, dated. Who has computer guys these days? <laughs> we people who work in an office. You have it's to called ask, IT. It's called an IT department. Okay, Adam. you ask the IT guy. You don't just call girl. those people computer guys anymore. Well, that's the name All of the right? character. Jeez. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like cable guy. You're like you're gonna the next thing we're gonna have cable guys. Cable guy. Oh, don't get me started. It's one of my least favorite movies. Really? Oh, hate. Cable guy's great. No, I think it's pretty good. It's not. You're wrong. You're thinking of a different movie. <laughs> no, I've seen Cable Guy, and I think it's pretty good. All right, news and notes. Uh, Tank Dell out for the year. Derrick Henry is out of the concussion <laughs> protocol. Apparently. Dan was so psyched to talk about Ty J Spears, and now I think I'm cutting it from the show. So yeah, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes of watching Ty J Spears film today just to throw it all out. That's great. 
Uh, Ramondre Stevenson injury. They're at Pittsburgh on a short week. So you could expect. You know what, Adam? We're going to keep it for a dynasty spin. Exactly. No, decision. we're not. We're, with 15 minutes on one game, we're, we're cutting it. Uh, no, no. That's just how long it took to watch. I'll, I'll wrap it no, up. No, no, no. I'm talking about how the Chiefs game went long. So oh, cut, okay, we have to okay. cut content. DeAndre Swift left in the fourth quarter. Didn't see anything on that. Hope he's okay. Brian Robinson, hamstring injury. They're going on a bye. Jalen Hurts is fine. Christian Watson, hamstring. Amari Cooper, concussion. Marquise Brown, heel injury, but they're on a bye. Hopefully, he can get back. Kenny Pickett might miss the rest of the fantasy season. He could be back maybe yeah. in week 17 or 18 at this point, but he had surgery on a high ankle sprain. So it is the Mitchell Trubisky show for now. If he struggles, I guess I wouldn't rule out Mason Rudolph, but right now it's Trubisky, and they again, they're playing Thursday against the Patriots. And they uh, signed Trace McSorley to their practice squad. Uh, Tyler Higby evaluated for a concussion. Derek Carr has a concussion, a shoulder injury, and a back injury, and he faces Carolina this week. Uh, well, he won't face them, but the, his team does. In all likelihood, he won't face them. Oh, uh, Let's see. Um, all right, we're waiting to hear on Frank Ragnow. Detroit center could miss some time. Isaac Samalu is not going to play this week, I'm pretty sure, for the Steelers. He has a shoulder injury. Um... Oh, oh, big one. Jeffrey Simmons for the Titans. He is going to miss multiple weeks, including this Monday's game against Devon H. and Raheem Mostert and the Miami Dolphins. And Kansas City had a rough night last night. Not only did they lose and should have gotten it. Now, look, obviously, they sh the 15-yard penalty on the Mahomes hit was dumb. But then after, I don't know how you missed the MVS pass interference. That was the most obvious pass interference. But Brian Cook, their safety, he left with an ankle injury. And linebacker Drew Tranquil left with a concussion. So we'll go to some advanced stats and some snap counts and things like that. And it is time for me to take a little break and let Jacob Gibbs drive drive the ship. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just wanted to point out, this is just for fun. We had the huge Debo Samuel week, 138 scrimmage yards, three touchdowns, 36 PPR points. That came on three rushing attempts and four targets and one total air yard. 138. <laughs> it's incredible. He's so good. It's so cool yak. to have it. <laughs> What'd you say? The King of Yak. Yeah, man. I mean, I test was the, the first touchdown he had was one of the most impressive touchdowns I've seen of the season. To have the contact bounce to shake off that tackle and then the just acceleration burst and explosion through the middle of that, that I guess, field was just unbelievable. That was wild that hey, he scored on that. Can I yes. say something uh, before I forget? I'm sorry. Uh, tonight we have a live stream, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. And it's at 7.30 p.m. We have it every Monday night. This one you're definitely going to want to tune in for. Scott Fish is going to be joining us. The Scott Fish. He is going to be giving away a signed jersey to anyone who donates to Fantasy Cares. Be a part of that tonight. YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. It's 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Also... Whatever, I'll talk to you guys about Cable Guy later. I, it's, I mean, Adam it's just had the worst TV. take ever. It's never and we're on just TV. Him for it in the private chat. He's like, it's a terrible movie. You want to know how I know why? It's never on TV. It's so never on off. TV. It's true. Great movies horrible, are on TV all the time. What a horrible take to say that if it's, something's not on TV, it's good, not good. Or if something's on TV, Think it's about good. all the Jim Carrey movies that replay on TV over and over are not good, but they're just on and over and over and over again. No, okay? think about all the Jim Carrey movies that you see on TV all the time. You know what you never see? You never see Cable Guy because it's his worst, arguably his worst movie. You also don't see Ace Ventura 2, which Thomas Schaefer loves, I'm pretty sure. He loves Ace Ventura 2. <laughs> no, what? you know, you know that's not favorite? you? Who likes Ace Ventura 2? You named my favorite Jim Carrey movie. It's got to be Truman Show because you're so pretentious. No, I love Truman Show. I don't know what, how watching Truman Show makes you pretentious, though I am pretentious. But it is another movie that would also be – that's your hint. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's got to be like a serious movie because Dan – It's a serious movie that I freaking love. So snobby. Oh, I could watch it. I've seen it like 25 times. I could watch another 25. What is it? You want another hint? A serious movie. Uh-huh unbelievably cool concept that's never been done in movie history before so a brand new concept you know oh, vanilla so another, sky vanilla sky no that's not even a jim carrey movie though that is a movie i love <laughs> oh, that's not a jim carrey movie <laughs> but this is another like vanilla sky like movie man on man on the moon no you guys no. should be able to get this i feel like i don't um, know what is it 
Eternal Sunshine. On oh, the that's that's what I meant. They're, that's, unreal yeah, movie. That's... Just an unreal movie. We don't. Why don't movies? Why aren't movies made like that today? Like everything we watch is a remake of some BS. Like I want a cool novel new idea. You're in a relationship. There's a surgery that you can erase your mind and erase your memory of that relationship. What happens? Like there's just cool. That's such a good concept. Like where are movies like that, Adam? These days, like you're telling me to watch a movie. Okay, I'll watch Christmas Vacation. But like I need more novel, cool concepts. You know. Uh-huh. Well, Christmas Vacation is very novel and very cool back when it came out, I'm sure. All right, Jacob, uh, you're up now. Sorry. Debo Samuel's great. What else? Uh, some more fun with air yards. Elijah Moore, uh, 255 wow. air yards this week with Joe Flacco under center. Over his past two games, he has 21 targets and 383 air yards. It's 26% of Cleveland's targets, 48% of the air yardage there. Not amounting to much because the offense sucks. Um, but it's cool. We haven't really seen Elijah Moore do anything yes. in a while. Um, Nico Collins without Tank Dell could truly be like a league winner is a phrase we use a lot, but 35% target share on the year without Tank Dell on the field. When Nico's been on the field and Tank Dell has been off 130 routes, so roughly four games worth of data, 35% wow. target share. Wow. Love it. Um, Trey McBride, man. Arizona really couldn't get anything going this week, but Trey McBride still had a good fantasy day. Eight of 13 receptions for the Cardinals were accounted for by Trey McBride. 89 of 145 receiving yards. On the year, Trey McBride has a higher target per route run rate than Travis Kelsey. 27% for McBride, 26 for Kelsey. 2.22 yards per route run for McBride compared to 2.25 for Kelsey. So basically identical per route data and Kelsey's numbers are identical to last year. We've talked about how he's not playing as well this year, but the exact same per route data as he had last year. And that's, that's the level that McBride's playing at. Yeah. Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. Someone we, ha- we haven't yeah. talked about at all this year. Cause there's Jonathan Mingo ate my baby. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> there's been nothing to talk about, but 10 targets this week, 39% target share. 26% was his previous high. He was used in pre-snap motion more this week. He had three targets out of pre-snap motion. Uh, first time he's had double did or more than one pre-snap motion target. So that's cool. Um, it's getting tough to trust Thielen, and really at this point you probably just can't trust anybody. But Mingo is somebody they drafted high and was always a project developmental type of player. Um, so maybe he'll kind of come on here at the end of the year. That that would be cool. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Devon Achan was. Right back in the mix, he broke five tackles this week. He's broken at least four in every game that he's you know played a substantial snap rate. Um, the other thing was, did did Raheem Mostert get hurt? I I didn't know the exact right way to split it. I didn't watch the end of this game. I, what I I when was, quarterbacks come out because of a blowout, I typically just go to True Media and split when that starting quarterback was on the field who played. Yeah, I I went Um, over this pretty extensively yesterday, and then I watched the game again today. And and what I would say is, Mostert was clearly the RB1 in the first half. And the Mm -hmm. game was pretty much over early in the third quarter. And Mostert, I don't know if he played a down in the fourth quarter. I mean, he he played, Tua kept playing while Mostert did not. But right. Mostert was definitely ahead of A-Chan, the clear number one, until about midway through the third quarter. And then it was pretty much all A-Chan with a sprinkle of Jeff Wilson. Uh, but I would also say that A-Chan looks so good that it wouldn't surprise me if the roles were flipped next week or if it's really, really even next week. Uh, but yeah. no, it wasn't one of those situations where the starters left at the same time. I'd say Mostert left in the third quarter probably. I, I don't know if he played at all in the fourth quarter. And Tua stayed in and just handed the ball off. That's basically what I saw. Yeah, in the first half, 66% snap rate for Mostert compared to 41 for A-Chan. Nine rushes for Mostert, three for A-Chan. Yeah. Uh, I still am concerned as, a, as a, a Mostert manager, but I think without Jeffrey Simmons, I mean, I think they both could score again on Monday. We'll take it week by week, but I, I don't. I think I basically think that if Mostert doesn't score a touchdown in any given week, you could be looking at a really bad week from him. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I also think he's one of the most likely players to score a touchdown. Except A-Chan. I think I want to go ahead and say that I'd rather have A-Chan rest of season than Mostert. Uh, well, how high are we willing to rank A-Chan rest of season in general? You know, pro- it's hard to say. Probably like top... He has to be RB1. 15-ish. Top what? 8-ish, you Fif- said? No, I'd say like 15. Because I-, I think there okay. are enough guys 
that have so much work. At this point, you know, I'd have to take Kyron Williams over him. I would take Zach Moss over him. I know Moss had a, a disappointing mm-hmm. game, but he played almost every single snap. Uh, I would take Rashad White over him. I would still take guys like Saquon Barkley over him, but I think if you're looking at like Eckler and Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, I think it's. I try not to flip. I try not to flip my my opinion after every game. You know, Gibbs was super hot. Brees Hall still catches six passes every game. I don't want to be too reactionary, but H is just amazing. As I told you guys, I I sent you an email on uh, Tyreek Hill had a 78 yard touchdown catch on that play. Achan lined up out wide against a linebacker, and it took him about a half a second to completely abuse him. He would have been wide open for his own potential 78-yard touchdown pass, but Tua selfishly threw the ball to Tyreek Hill instead. Uh, so I just think Achan is capable of doing some amazing things out there. It was on display again. It could, it's up in the air, man. I, I don't know how to accurately rank him. All I know is I'm pretty happy if I have him on my team. Yes. Hmm. A um, couple of the notes on the Texans. Damian Pierce had a better fantasy day, but he still only played 38% of the snaps, um, so not necessarily trusting that. But um, Noah Brown, you might be able to trust. He led the team in routes run. He didn't do anything this week. It was basically all Nico Collins, but we've seen him be productive at times. And he kind of slides right into the role that Tank Dell was playing. That's how they were using Brown when he was producing earlier in the year. So definitely worth a, a pickup. Absolutely. I'd say it's prob- probably more of a don't drop Noah Brown thing. I think he's about 75% rostered. But mm-hmm. yeah, don't get too upset here. He had one deep target. He was open and Stroud missed him. I didn't really see a lot, but I have a feeling Stroud had one of his worst games. I don't think he played all that well. Uh, again, <clears throat> I saw some missed throws from him. I don't know if anybody has any. I don't know if it's off target rate or anything like that, but it didn't seem like the best game. He had somebody wide open up the middle of the field. It could have been a long touchdown and he missed him. He had a tight end on like a bootleg kind of play that could have been a nice gain and he missed him. So, uh, all right, that's that's good stuff. How about Lynn Bowden? Remember him? Yeah, playing like every yeah. snap for the Saints and doing nothing, just like A.T. Perry in previous weeks. They get nothing out of those guys. 22% off target rate for C.J. Stroud was his second highest mark of the year. Okay, yeah. um, there you go. The eye test proved that I'm right. Yeah, I just, it just didn't look sharp to me. But maybe it has. Maybe the Broncos has something. I actually, I don't think the Broncos had anything to do with it. I think he just had a bad game. I don't think Tank Dell being out is going to help. No, you know, someone asked me a really interesting question. Said I have Herbert and Stroud, mm-hmm. and I want to drop one of them for Josh Dobbs. Ugh. And Dobbs Why? isn't even guaranteed to be the starter because Herbert plays the Broncos twice in the next four weeks. Stroud well, no longer has Tank Dell. I wouldn't drop him, though, because I think he'll carve up Tennessee, which he plays twice in the fantasy playoffs. And then Stroud, I mean, and Dobbs, if he keeps the job, he's got this high rushing floor most weeks, and he's got Justin Jefferson. And again, you don't want to react too strongly. He had a terrible game uh, last time out but but against the Bears. But before that, he was scored like 28 points or something three weeks in a row. And now he's getting Justin Jefferson. I kind of feel like if he keeps the job, he's going to be better than Justin Herbert. It's possible. We'll get to it in the four big questions, obviously. So I don't want to tease too much of it. And that's for an Austin Eckler assessment. But I did obviously watch the Patriots Chargers on tape. Saw some Justin Herbert as well. Something is off there in LAC. And I thought that Kellen Moore would fix this thing. But in reality, I think the big issue with this offense with Mike Williams and Josh Palmer out is there's no vertical threat going on and this is what I always talk about are you challenging every blade of grass as an offense and with Justin Herbert's arm you really should always be and I thought that was what Callum Moore would bring a vertically oriented offense and I think he wants to but there's issues on the offensive line right now specifically in the run game they can't block at all and then that's carrying over to the pass game it's making them one dimensional with no vertical threat so everything is really breaking in or breaking out Above this st- around the sticks, and that's just not an offense that is very explosive or very. I can have much confidence in it. It's reminding me a little bit of last year when they lost Rashawn Slater, like week three or four. Remember, Adam, we were discussing yeah. like how bad could this get for the Chargers' offense? It got really bad, um, and I'm starting to worry about that rest of season. I know you watched the tape of Eckler. We're going to talk about him. He's one of our big topics, yeah. but I, I am wondering how much the weather factored in. To it was windy, and it was really windy. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big proponent of windy, what windy, cold weather, bad for quarterbacks, bad for passing game, makes a bigger difference than people realize. So I can give it that, but 
I see some issues and flaws within their just offensive design right now. Okay. So, look, we're a little behind. Um, we'll get to our, I think we'll get to our big topics. There was only one player that Dan watched on film that's not part of our big topics. I think that's Brees Hall, right? Is it- no, it's Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, I'm sorry. All right, so tell me what you saw from Chuba Hubbard, who had a great game. He had, like, uh, yeah. I remember off the top of my head, but 200 y- 100 yards and two touchdowns, something like that for Hubbard. So, go for it. Dan, bonus points if you can yes. incorporate this at all. We've got this question four times in the chat. Dan, please explain different types of running schemes so I don't draft Damian Pierce, et cetera, next year. <laughs> well, Which Damian, will, sorry, go ahead, Jacob. I, I do think that'll be something we'll emphasize this offseason. Uh, Fantasy Points data has this cool like ability to function based off like man gap schemes or zone schemes and who's performing well. And I think that's something you recognize a lot better than me. I haven't gotten that deep into understanding offensive line play. Um, but I'm curious what you think of Carolina in particular here. Yeah, and that's a good point. With with Damian Pierce, I think we all kind of, I don't want to say fell into that trap. I, I was off on Pierce to, right right before, right at the end of August, mostly because of offensive line issues. But he was like, this should have been the perfect fit for him, the outside zone scheme for his style of running. So anyway, just to kind of give a brief overview of that, because I know Adam's going to kill me if I spend too much time on something like this. <laughs> there are zone-based blocking schemes uh, and power gap-based blocking schemes. Most teams mix them up. Some teams are heavy, really heavy, like the Pat Shermer Giants of yesteryear were almost exclusively inside zone, like 95% plus. But most of the good teams like to mix it up. So mm-hmm. essentially, power gap means you're pulling. Uh, so you could be pulling a guard. You could be pulling a tackle. You could be leading with the guard and the tackle. Uh, G lead is a, is a very common power gap concept. There's also pin pull concepts, which uh, essentially you're using the wide receivers to pin down and then you're pulling linemen. <laughs> Those are all power gap concept plays. Now, zone plays are could be inside zone or outside zone and you know those plays are usually with the smaller more athletic offensive lines you'll see in the nfl where they're kind of blocking uh in space to a point and also on those plays you can also have something that is oftentimes for people like me who are watching the tape confusing which is to know if a play is inside zone or if it is duo and a double team and that is considered not a zone play it's considered a power gap play and that that gets very confusing when you watch because inside zone looks a lot like duo uh which is you know essentially double teams uh and power and a man concept so power gap more man zone more blocking into space but that's kind of the quick overview of that and some runners are great vision cutback runners like a Dalvin cook was amazing for his own scheme. Dalvin cook in a power gap scheme. I wouldn't want to see him there. Same goes for like a James cook type player. Uh, those cutback style players. And you have like a Saquon Barkley, for example, the opposite great in power gap. You want to get him out into space, let some blockers get ahead of him instead of kind of letting him be like a one cut type of runner. Okay. It's funny that you bring up cook cause he's one of the most heavy used in gap runs. The bills are, yeah, yep. you said they mix it up a lot. For reference, the most, like the highest zone rate is 69% for the Colts, 68% for the Eagles. So, like, it's going to be pretty balanced no matter where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Some teams do more of one or the other. Um, now, as far as Chuba Hubbard goes, it's interesting we talk about this because that's kind of where, you know, in my notes I have down, just has a really great feel for outside zone. And they ran a ton of outside zone, the Panthers. And to me, it's just his understanding of where the cutback lane is on these outside zone runs is phenomenal. And he also has some really nice decisive jump cuts to get him into the position. He gets really skinny in between the gaps and the holes. Chuba Albert is a guy who had great tape in college, but everyone kind of looked at him like, eh, he probably doesn't have the speed to make Mm -hmm. the jump to the next level or the quickness or really any trait whatsoever. So let's let him fall in the draft. And then sometimes these guys who are just really good processors of something like outside zone, for for example, here have that great feel for when to make the cutback or when to hit the cutback lane, when to make the jump cut are just productive runners. Like they're just consistent at the NFL level. It doesn't always work. Like you see Clyde Edwards, Lair didn't work with him. The speed of the NFL game was too much for him, but for Chuba Hubbard, it doesn't feel that way. And honestly, this is running behind an uh, Carolina Panthers offensive line has been terrible this year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's maximized the offensive line versus a Miles Sanders who has not maximized the offensive line and maybe was, you know, buoyed or propped up by the Eagles offensive line last year to look decent. So I like what I've seen from Hubbard. I don't think there's any reason for the Panthers to change what they're doing right now and give more touches back to Miles Sanders. Although none of these players are really featured ultimately in the passing game in this game or haven't been featured much in general in the passing game. I don't think that'll change. I think Hubbard will continue to be their goal line red zone guy and their lead touch guy because he 
just runs much better behind the scheme. And they, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I could go back and look, but just from my notes, they did run some, you know, some power gap man concepts, but there was a ton of outside zone here, ton of outside zone, some inside zone, but a big majority outside zone for Chuba Hubbard in this game. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I looked it up um, in Fantasy Points Data Suite, and Miles Sanders has actually averaged more yards per carry in man-gap concept runs, um, but Hubbard has been significantly better on zone runs, and I think he just kind of fits the scheme better. It's maybe similar to what we've seen in Houston with Pierce and Singletary. Yeah, I mean, he was, just to kind of pour a little cold water on it, he was facing Tampa Bay without two starting linebackers, two very good starting linebackers, so uh, advantage there. And, uh, you know, I don't really trust them I don't really trust a running back on, on the team. He also, he had five targets in week 12. He had zero targets in this game. I don't, he has, doesn't have a consistent role in the passing game. So I think it's good that, that Chuba Hubbard, we can at least talk about him as a flex, maybe a low end RB two, but I, I, he doesn't have my, my trust yet. I, I don't okay. think a lot of playoff teams are going to be winning their league with Chuba Hubbard personally, but let's see, maybe he can, Keep it going. He's got a decent schedule going forward. Uh, All right. Uh, So with that said, we'll get into our four big topics. And let's go to topic number one from Hipster Doofus 21. Okay. Can we trust any any wide receivers on Washington, Carolina, Arizona, Tennessee, Cleveland, New England, the Giants, or the Jets? In the fantasy playoffs. If not, that's one quarter of the NFL teams that are hands off for wide receivers in fantasy. Fair question. Yeah. Um, let's start go team by team here. Um, Washington with Terry McLaurin coming off a goose egg. Obviously, John Dotson's role has been unpredictable. I am curious if Washington makes the move to Jacoby Brissett at some point. That's what I've heard whispers of. I don't see why they would. Uh, I think Hal's shown enough, but. I can't say I have any confidence there. No. Carolina? Hell no. I mean, you could talk about Jonathan Mingo ate the baby, but John and I, I can't believe I used that joke twice in a show. Yeah, that's but I bad. Think I it's more it. Thielen. I mean, Thielen was a top four wide receiver the first, right, second half not, of the you season. You can't trust that anymore. I, if I'm going to, okay, the, the teams are Washington, Carolina, Arizona, Tennessee, Cleveland, yeah. Patriots, Giants, Jets, and I'm going to sum it up and say this. Yes, I'm still starting Garrett Wilson, but. I really hope they go back to Zach Wilson. That would make me confident in him. Yes. Uh, Hopkins is coming off a huge game. By the way, it's like the saddest thing that's ever had to be said in, in any. Yeah, I know, but he's their best quarterback, so I think he solid did what he had to do. He gave in to the crowd. I probably maybe to the locker room. Who knows? And now we all saw it with our eyes. Zach Wilson is pro- is probably their best quarterback. So that would help me with Garrett Wilson. He's, I would say, by far my favorite on this list. Um, Hopkins, maybe. He has, with Will Levis, he's basically just a deep ball guy. His A dot is yeah. something like 18 to 19 yards. It's insane. Uh, so that's going to be a very inconsistent, bumpy ride. I have more stats on him if we want to get into that. I would actually say that Joe Flacco to Amari Cooper might be the yes. most reliable one. Um, I was going to say the same thing. Flacco had almost 500 air yards last week. Is that the number, Jacob, or this past game? Yeah, I think it was... I think it was over 500. Over 500 air yards. That's unheard of in the NFL these days. No one does that. Um, and he almost made, like, that's the thing. Flacco to Cooper or Flacco to Moore if Cooper is out is yeah. the only thing that intrigues me here on this list, I think. The only thing I, that might be, I think Garrett Wilson. Or Hopkins, still, I guess. Garrett Who? Wilson still intrigues me. Demario Douglas feels like a very good Ugh. PPR third. He look at he's he's a guaranteed ten PPR points basically. Oh, we're talking about like a flex final thing, yeah, fine. yeah. A PPR flex, sure. There yeah. are some good receivers here, but I've lost faith in Terry McLaurin. I've lost yes. faith in Adam Thielen. I've lost faith in, in not total faith, not dropping Marquise Brown, but I'm I don't want to start him at the moment. And Hopkins is going to make me crazy, but I I think probably a little could be a little overhyped after this most recent game. Jacob, what do you think? Hopkins has three good games this year. They've all come against teams that are top three and cover three rate. Mm-hmm. Um, cover three is the most commonly used coverage scheme in the NFL. Yep. And DeAndre Hopkins is top five on the year in target per route run rate when facing cover three. He only has one more matchup where he's going to see a lot of cover three. That's against the Seahawks. Um, he has two more matchups against the Texans, which is a particularly bad matchup for him. The Texans really prevent deep passing and perimeter wide receiver targets. Wow. Interesting. Okay, and they're much better with Jimmy Ward, who was back last week. 
okay. So anything else on this topic, guys? I don't de- just want to say I definitely don't trust Marquise Brown or Ronda Moore or anyone in Arizona. I, I watched that offense now a few times. That is that offense is looking to get rid of the football early and underneath. Curtis Samuel is the guy who I've kind of been going to for like DFS yeah. and stuff with Washington. Um, that's like the closest you're going to get to trustworthy there. It is crazy though. Like as they say in the, in the email right there, that's a one fourth of the teams in the NFL. It's 25% it's of the bad. league. We can't trust a single passing game there. It feels like this has yeah, been one of the worst years, honestly, oh, easily the worst year of fantasy football yeah. of my entire lifetime since I started playing the game. And I played <laughs> the game in middle school. Just unbelievable what happened this year. Yeah, it's quarterback uh, position just decimated this year. But uh, I think I do like the fact that McLaurin spoke up and said he did a lot of cardio in yesterday's game. I do <laughs> yeah, like, maybe squeaky wheel. I do like the squeaky, squeaky wheel, wheel game. We can like, get a squeaky wheel out of him. Yeah, there it is. Squeaky wheel. All right, with that squeaky wheel, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about how to use your bench in your fantasy playoffs. Austin Eckler. And one other topic. Oh, zero RB, the year of zero RB. We'll give you some stats on that. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back. And for, don't forget to join us tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash today. Scott Fish joining us and giving away jerseys to anyone who donates to Fantasy Cares. That is amazing. A signed jersey. I don't know how many he has, but I love it. All right. Tyler Park says, who can we target for bench spots in the playoffs? Handcuff running backs, extra DST, maybe a couple late breakout rookies. Jacob, what do you got? Yeah, we've been talking about the handcuff uh, running backs each week. Um, I think the defense, if you've got the space for it to like mix and match your defenses, I think that makes sense. Um, And there's so many, like we've talked about, there's so many bad quarterbacks right now that you can definitely find you know defenses they're going to have favorable matchups um so that's intriguing i don't have much from a stash standpoint in terms of like receivers i kind of thought that i might but the more i looked at it like i don't know there's not like jonathan mingo like palmer stands out to me is he coming back i don't know he might i I think they said he he's not necessarily out for the season something like that so He's yeah, Palmer. Uh, Palmer is is a good one to stash, especially Saints if DST is a really good stash with Giants and Panthers as their next two matchups. Yeah, I have a whole list of DSTs. It's one of the DSTs that I said, "Oh, you have to stash them. You have to stash them." Was the Chiefs, and they've been playing pretty poorly lately. True. But after this game against Buffalo, they finished with the Patriots, Raiders, and Bengals in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, I think before we get into DSTs, Roshan Johnson, pick him up. We'll talk about him during waivers. Uh, handcuffs for sure. Dearness Johnson, you still have a chance to pick up Dearness Johnson right now. If you could do it, I think you should. I think he's the handcuff to ETN, and ETN's hurt. He's going to play, but he's hurt. Um, the Ravens are interesting. Odell Beckham, I think, could have a big finish. Mm. Isaiah Likely, maybe. Um, Darren Waller, if you need a tight end, might not be the worst person to gamble on. He's 51% rostered. I did have Josh Palmer on my list. Jalen Hyatt, I don't really buy it, but I don't really buy it with Hyatt, but. You know, uh, and then Demario Douglas, fifty percent rostered, could give you a nice PPR floor uh, for DSTs. You know, I have so many names on this list that I don't really think that you need to spend time on a second DST unless you're in a deep league. They will come and they will come up, and and you won't really be competing against many fantasy managers at that point in your season. So, I don't think it's a huge deal. But the Bears have been playing really well lately, actually. And they've got a good schedule after this week against Detroit. Uh, Green Bay has the Giants, then the Bucks, then the Panthers. 
than the Vikings. Um, Houston has good matchups. I really like the Colts right now. The Colts have, have 21 sacks in their last four games. They don't have that good of a defense, though. But they're facing the Bengals next week, then the Steelers, then the Falcons, and then the Raiders. All four of those teams have a backup quarterback or a quarterback who was benched at some point this year. So that's the Colts. Still think the Chiefs fit as strong with the Patriots, Raiders, and Bengals, as I mentioned. Rams have a good schedule. The Saints, they have Carolina, then the Giants, then the Rams and the Bucks. Dan mentioned that one. And the Jets should finish strong. Uh, Houston and Miami are the next two games for the Jets. They can still be good, but Washington and Cleveland in week 16 and 17 could win you a league. So don't drop them if you can. But again, there's enough there. I don't know that you really need to stash a DST. But cut the fat, right? I mean, there's no need to get get handcuffs, get guys who have upside. Um, I'm trying to just like some boring ho hum player that you've been that you have on your team that you don't need anymore. I think T. Higgins is one bad game away from being droppable. Honestly, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm trying to think of like Jerry Judy. You don't need to roster Jerry Judy anymore. I'd no. much rather I'd rather roster Dearness Johnson than Jerry Judy. Uh, crazy how much that flip last year was you don't need to roster Courtland Sutton. Jerry Judy's going off, and now it's yeah. Sutton. It's just interesting. Yeah, uh, so you get it. I I, uh, I think you all know what I'm talking about. All right, let's go to Austin Eckler here. Dan, you can have the floor. Ebes70 says, what, do, what to make of Austin Eckler? Yeah, I think Austin Eckler is a really good lesson for fantasy managers. We have been seeing stats lately and trends lately that show a big decline in fantasy production and NFL production from running backs when they hit the 27-year-old slash 28-year-old age range. This is even more so true for backs with tread on their tires, a lot of touches in their career prior to the 27, 28 year old mark. There's outliers. Of course, Derek Henry, I wouldn't consider much of that. He's 265 pounds and run, ran a four, four coming out of college. He's a freak of nature, human athlete specimen, uh, you know, genetic freak, you know, freak. So I'm not going to just look at him and be like, Oh, Derek Henry did it. So anyone can do it. Um, so you look at the majority of these backs and there is this fall off period. And I think Austin Eckler is going through that fall period. That's what I'm going to say here. Now, I watched the tape this week, and part of the issue is certainly the blocking. Um, they ran a lot of outside zone, and it was an absolute struggle for Austin Eckler. He was a little better when they ran like pull lead and power gap concepts, but ultimately, you know, fourth rush of this game, fourth attempt goes to Josh Kelly. I don't think that's coincidence. I think it's by design. Austin Eckler, to me, doesn't look like he's creating many much forced uh, missed tackles in space. Not creating that much drive and yards after contact, he still is a great processor. Like some of these runs, he's finding the lane that should he shouldn't find. He's so small that he can get you know low to the ground, always that low center of gravity and small and skinny through gaps. But there's not much explosiveness or burst in his game right now. At least it doesn't look. And obviously, part of the issue, like I said, was a lot of these runs are just blown up from a blocking standpoint versus the Patriots' run defense. The Patriots, you know, I know they have a million injuries on defense, but their run defense. Throughout the history of Bill Belichick, and until Bill Belichick is not coaching that team, is going to be one of the most gap-sound run defenses you'll ever see in NFL. They were that way last week against the Giants, despite having a bad defensive game overall. They've been that way forever. They're a gap-sound run defense. So this is part of the problem, but it's not like this is the one game where Austin Eckler's been struggling. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> Just look to be creating much on his own right now, they, in my Dan, opinion. PFF has the Chargers with the worst run-blocking grade yeah, in the NFL. for sure. And that's obvious, too, and that's the biggest issue here. But I just think when you watch the tape, there's also just not much juice right now with him. Yeah, did you mention the high ankle sprain? Yeah, he's playing through that, correct. Right, so he, I don't know, I, I don't know how, I don't know if it's still a problem, but guys often struggle after high ankle sprains. Barkley a few years ago, Jonathan yep. Taylor last year, you just don't get the best versions of these guys, and he, it's possible that that's still a problem there. Plus, we know for fantasy standpoint, like a big reason why Austin Eckler was Austin Eckler in fantasy was because that Joe Lombardi scheme that funneled targets through him. And that's not how Kellen Moore operates. And that's not how the Chargers are operating yeah. right now. That's a good yeah, point. 21% yeah. target per hour and right for Austin Eckler this year, down from 30% to 21%. Yeah. That's wow. a huge, huge drop off. And this ain't coming back, by the way. And this is a good lesson for drafts, by the way, as we continue to get to our final question here today, as I'm going to have a nice long spiel on that one, but I'll keep it short for you, Adam. Well, is anybody, 
Austin Eckler couldn't ask for a much better schedule. His next four opponents through the end of the fantasy season, they're all Mm -hmm. bottom 10 in yards per carry allowed to running backs, including Denver twice, and they're the worst. They give up the most yards per carry to running backs. His next four opponents are 27th, 22nd, 29th, and 27th in receiving yards per game allowed to running backs. So he has had good matchups like the Jets, for example, they also give up a lot of receiving yards to running backs, and he had two catches for 23 yards against them. But Eckler just faced Baltimore and New England, which is a tough back-to-back. You know, we can't forget that week's, like, I don't know, 8 through 10 or something like that. He scored 23, 21, and 21.5 fantasy points in PPR. You know, the schedule lightens up. I I don't really I, I don't really think he's going to perform so efficiently. It's just, can he basically get enough work, score a touchdown, have a, a, res, a representative game, 80 total yards or something like that? So, I don't know. I, would, you, would you rather have Austin Eckler or Devon Achan on your team going forward? Achan. Wow. Achan for me as well. Yeah. All right. I, I agree. But I will say, if you have Eckler and you're forced to start him, there's a big difference between Baltimore and New England and Denver, Las Vegas, Buffalo, and Denver yeah. in his next four games. So, with that said, there's also a good opportunity in all four of those games to have similar game, game script to what we've seen from the Chargers as of late with no explosive threat in the past game vertically and the offensive line performing the way it's performing. And that's the issue I have. Like, these Denver game, I could see 13-10, you know? Yeah. Both Denver yeah. games. Yeah. The, even, you know, pretty much all those games besides the Bills, I can't really see a sh- I don't really even see a shootout with the Bills. They're probably going to lose both games to Denver. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. They're, they're probably horrible won't, football but they, team. They definitely could. They're a horrific football team. They beat the Patriots six to nothing. That was embarrassing. The Patriots have now lost three straight games, giving up ten or fewer points, I believe, which That's has never crazy. been done. Uh, Nate Barry has our last question here. Was this the year of zero RB? Other than McCaffrey, most round one or two running backs have disappointed some, if not all, of this season. Uh, this is the definitive year of zero RB. I, they're all zero RB. We haven't had a non-zero RB year in years. False. It feels like no, you're <laughs> false. You're so false. Yeah, we've had some hero. That's, fine, we've that's had some your cable hero guy. RB cable guy take of the day. Just no, complete. Now we've garbage. had some hero RB years lately, but since the Ladanian Tomlinson days, we haven't had like the you draft ten running backs in your first twelve oh, well, no. picks and it works out like. No. It's been a while since that's worked out, and this goes into what I was saying before, Adam. Like. Most of the guys we're projecting as first-round picks at running backs going into this year were hitting that age cliff. Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, who unfortunately got injured, uh, and that's not you know as much of a thing. But like, there's very few guys right now. Like, we'll go into next season with a little more hope. Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, Devin Achan, Achan, uh, sorry, Devon Achan. Yeah, now you got both names wrong there. Uh, Devon Achan, you know McCaffrey, obviously, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just feels like even hero RB. I, I may make the move. I did a lot of hero RB builds this year. I did one or two zero RB builds. My zero RB builds are the ones that I'm most excited about, to be completely honest. And I may be making the full switch to zero RB. I, I am completely done with the idea of using my first two major assets on running backs, though. That that's oh, unlikely yeah. to ever happen. That's my worst. Me. One of my worst teams this year was my Barkley Pollard team. Yeah. Uh, and it's not those guys haven't even been that hurt. Like Barkley missed a few games. No, right? damn. They just haven't. They just haven't been great. You know, they just have at all. Great. But I think you're overreacting a little bit. This is this year has been. Uh, I'll just tell you the top twelve running backs. Okay, six of them, mm-hmm. current top twelve, not per game, but overall top twelve. Six of them were drafted after the top sixty, so drafted round six or later. Um, the other six were the first three rounds. Five of them were rounds one and two, and then Travis Etienne was around three pick. But ETN was around three pick where most years he probably would have been around two pick based on where he was in the running back rankings. Just we only had, according to fantasy pros, we only had eight running backs drafted in the first two rounds. But I also feel like with a lot of these ranks, though, Adam, it's like so so many of these players lack consistency. Like ETN, how much of his production is just overall because he had those blow up touchdown games that we're not well, even seeing? I mean, like, yeah, but that's when people I think start to nitpick like. Everybody, no, this is from, this goes into a larger fantasy argument. I hate when we go by like he was RB eight overall last season. It's like oh he had a forty seven point week. But well, that, but ETN's been really really good no, until been until, good until recently. Late. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, what was I saying? Um, okay, over the over the previous five seasons combined, 
We had 11 running backs in five seasons finish top 12 and be drafted. Well, first they were, they were drafted after the fifth round or for sixth round or later and finished top 12. We had 11 in the last five seasons combined. This year we have six. So that's basically two per yeah. year. This year we have six. So it, it is much different this year. Usually, sure. mo- usually about eight of the top 12 running backs on average were drafted in the first two rounds. And that's why we liked Hero RB so much. This year it's five plus ETN in the third plus Raheem Mostert. I'll tell you who the guys are. Mostert is RB2. Rashad White is RB4. Alvin Kamara is RB5. Brian like, Robinson is RB7. Can I ask you a question? Pacheco is 8, and Kyron Williams is 12. This does not include David Montgomery and Devon Achan, by the way, who are top 12 per game. Yeah, go ahead. What's your question? Hey, Rashad White sitting at RB4. That's what you said, right? Yeah. How many points per game is he averaging? And then how many points per game is the RB4 averaging in other years before running back position has collapsed the way it has in fantasy football? Like, this can't be a high number for Rashad White versus the typical RB4 from, like, 2016. Well, Rashad White is RB10 per game. Okay. So So Kamara is RB4, and he's averaging 20 points per game, which is pretty good. Is that PPR, 20 PPR? 20 PPR, yeah. Like, that's much better than RB4 last year. Not much better, but better. So I think people might overreact a little bit and get away from Hero RB, but I still think it's a very sound strategy. But Jacob, uh, what do you think about this discussion? Hit him with the anti-fragility, Dan. We've been talking about this for years. Yeah, I think it all makes sense. We know where we're at now. (laughs) I have no idea what that means. (laughs) (laughs) We've explained it to you far too many times to explain it again. (laughs) Yeah, right. I, I am surprised, really, that a guy that I really didn't think was any good in Rashad White and a guy that I didn't really think was any good in Kyron Williams, that they're having these types of years. That's pretty surprising. Like They easily could have been Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis. I don't know how they yes. didn't end up being yes. Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis. I agree frankly. with that take. So what did, so what did we miss? Because I didn't draft any of Rashad White. I was like, I'm out. And it looked yeah. brilliant for a while. And then all of a sudden, he's a star. Like a great avoid until I tweeted about him and put some <laughs> game clips on there. And then he told me he was going to turn it around. And then he did, basically, from that moment on. Yeah. With, with Rashad White, at least, there's like some investment by the team, whereas some of these other guys yeah. are bringing up like Miles Gaskin are just... Yeah, we're no investment. Right? Totally just projecting volume. It is funny, though, how, you know, um, these guys, like, who who... It's almost like... With Rashad White, for example, how much of his production has come through the passing game? Because we didn't, it was hard for us, I feel like, to foresee that role earlier in the season when it wasn't there. Yeah, it has been. And really, he hasn't, I don't, nothing I've seen from Rashad White makes me think that he's performed well this year. His advanced rushing stuff isn't very good. His per, per route data is not very good, whereas that was something that was a potential, like, upside case for him was that his collegiate per route data was very good um and then last year he had better per route data than leonard fournette who has been somebody who's had 80 plus i think receptions in a season which is insane um but yeah this year nothing really stands out it's just massive volume Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i I, he to be fair to rashad white i've pointed this out before he's had one of the hardest running back schedules in the nfl I mean, Minnesota, yeah. Chicago, Philadelphia, great run defenses. New Orleans, above average. Detroit, great run defense. Atlanta, when they played them, they had Grady Jarrett, great run defense. Buffalo, terrible. Houston, arguably the best run defense in the NFL. Tennessee with Jeffrey Simmons, great run defense. San Francisco, great run defense. The last two weeks, he's faced Indianapolis and Carolina. He's 15 carries for 100 yards at Indianapolis, 20 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown against Carolina. So he's he's had a really rough schedule. It's finally lightened up a little bit, and he's been much better as a rusher. Okay, Kyron Williams, though, stuns me. Stuns. I mean, nothing about this. His role in the passing game is surprising. That's not something that we've seen from Sean McVay running backs lately. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I just... There was no... He came, he came into the league as like a slow third down back. And got no opportunity last year, basically. And... Week one, he splits evenly with Cam Akers, and now he's just the man. Yeah. the man. Truly no way to have seen that one coming, I don't think, given the way that the position had been prioritized in the past by McVay. Yes. um, Everything about his profile coming into the NFL, uh, it's just a complete shock. 
completely agree with Jacob on that. And that's going to happen sometimes in fantasy where there's no way to tell what's going to happen in the future. And I think that's, I think you you could have, you know, known like Jordan Rodriguez talked about him a lot, like that. He was the guy, the team liked him, but I think the best case was like, okay, this is probably Gaskin or whatever. This is probably Mike Davis where it's like, we're betting on volume. Um, and hopefully he gets it. And if he does get it all year, then he'll be useful for fantasy. But like, I don't think there's any way we could have seen the upside that he's brought. No. 21.2 21.2 fantasy points per game for Kyron Williams. He is probably three per game. McCaffrey, HN, Kyron Williams. It's just uh, incredible. Okay. That is it for today's show. Thank you to Dan and Jacob. Um, I feel like um, I feel like I'm forgetting to bring something up here, but I don't know. Maybe it was a cable guy thing. I don't know if anybody wants. It's just, it's just a really bad movie. That's like really annoying, extremely annoying Not character. Bad. Just grading, like just like cable yeah. guy. Yeah, he's nails on a chalkboard. Um, okay, see you guys. See everybody. Go ahead, Jacob. I'm gonna go watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I've never seen it. 2004, so I was eight years old when it came out. I think it's a little bit before my time. So thank you, Dan. I saw Elijah Wood was in it. I'm like, that's enough for me. Check it out. It's a really phenomenal movie. It's truly phenomenal. Elijah Wood is, is the actor I that makes you see a movie. I love Elijah Wood. Dude. He's what? so weird. It's so fun. He's weird in this movie, too, by the way. Really weird. He's guy. always weird. Right. Yeah, he, he is always weird. Ever seen The Good Son? I'm willing to say Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind is a top 25 movie all time for me, if not higher. Oh, yeah. Look at this recommendation from, from Don. Go watch the number 23. That might be the worst Jim Carrey movie. That is not a movie that you should watch. I like Jim. I love Jim Carrey, but that's not. Okay. Bye, everybody. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.